Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Today, as you can tell by the title, we are talking about bad theology. I discussed last week wanting to do a segment from now on titled Bad Theology, where we would just talk about something that I saw that is theologically erroneous. Today, we are going to dedicate an entire podcast episode to that, and it is going to be represented by someone by the name of Jen Hatmaker, as seen in a recent Instagram post that a bunch of you guys sent me and asked me to respond to. So that's what we are going to be breaking down today. This is one of you guys' favorite things that I do in this topic is a topic that you guys love to hear about, but we're going to come at it from a different perspective. I always like to give you something, something new. Before we get into it though, let me tell you guys about Daily Harvest, one of my favorite sponsors. This is a sponsor, the, a company that I use all of the time because I am always running around trying to uh, make sure that I get my three square meals in as I'm working and being a mom and all that good stuff. And I want to make sure that they are nutritious and Daily Harvest helps me do that. So Daily Harvest delivers delicious clean food right to your door. It only takes a few minutes to prepare probably less than a few minutes. I would say it takes like two two minutes to prepare, a couple minutes to prepare. And I never have to question if the food that I'm eating is good for me because all of da- Daily Harvest ingredients are. Everything stays fresh in your freezer until you are ready to enjoy it. You don't have to overthink your meals for the week. Don't have to meal prep all that you know stuff that takes forever. You don't have to do that with Daily Harvest. It never uses preservatives, added sugar, artificial ingredients. They work directly with farms and they freeze organic fruits and vegetables at peak ripeness to lock in nutrients and taste. Also committed to minimizing their environmental impact, which is important. They're in the process of transitioning to 100% compostable, recyclable, packaging and are over 50% of the way there already. So they're doing a lot of good work. They've got a lot of variety. They've got smoothies, they've got different kinds of bowls, they've got cold stuff, they've got hot stuff, all really nutritious, really good, really quick, easy, ships directly to your door on dry ice. It's so nice, so convenient. I really love Daily Harvest. So go to dailyharvest.com, enter promo code RELATABLE to get $25 off your first box. That's promo code RELATABLE for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com, promo code relatable. Okay, this is the second caption, Instagram caption of Jen Hatmaker that we have discussed specifically on this podcast. There is actually an episode titled Jen Hatmaker's Instagram post from maybe a couple years back at this point. So in case you don't know who she is, although she is very well known in the female Christian world, but just in case you're not familiar with her, I will give you a little bit of background on who she is and why we're talking about this. This is not about calling a specific person out. This is an example of a kind of theology, and I put that in scare quotes, that is rampant, especially in the female Christian world. And that's why it's so important for us to talk about it. So Jen Hatmaker, she's an author that really blew up a few years ago, although she's been on the public scene for a really long time. Her family actually started an uh, HGTV series a while back as well. She successfully became known as kind of like the go-to voice for stressed out Christian women and specifically moms. She is amazing. She truly is. She's amazing at relating to this group. Her writing is very unique, very in her voice. So it's readable, it's relatable, it's very down to earth. And she has this way 
of explaining things genuinely that makes you go, I've never thought about that before and kind of makes you look away from the page and, and think about things. And so she's very effective and very successful in her communication. She is extremely charming, like I said, extremely relatable. And so it's really easy to see why so many women are attracted to her and see themselves reflected in her. It's truly a gift. And at one point, she was regarded as very mainstream and really for a, a lot of people, a solid theological voice. I'll be honest, I was never a, like a follower or a reader of Jen Hatmaker because when she, when her star was rising, I was younger, I would say, than her target demographic. Uh, but I knew who she was in college and I certainly don't remember having any, having any qualms with her or anything like that. But she shifted around 2016 when she started being a public advocate of gay marriage. There was an interview in 2016 when she said that LGBT relationships and marriage are holy, just as holy as any heterosexual relationship. She has openly supported gay marriage, regards gay relationships, like I said, is just as biblical, just as holy as any other kind of relationship. Now, if you are new to this podcast, maybe you don't understand why that's a big deal, or maybe you're just in a different place than I am. You don't agree with me ideologically and theologically. And so to you, you're like, that's not a big deal at all. Why does it matter what she thinks about marriage? Her Instagram caption wasn't even about that, but I'll explain to you why I'm going to address her perspective on marriage a little bit more in depth because it is pertinent to what we're talking about today. So you can go back and listen to episode 126 of this podcast titled Biblical Marriage. Uh, the reason the biblical definition of marriage as between a man and a woman is so important uh, is not because of a couple of verses in the Old Testament or even in the New Testament, although we shouldn't discount those uh, verses just because culture says they should be discounted. But I uh, explained the reason why it's so important very thoroughly in that episode, episode 126, but we're going to rehash it a little bit today. Uh, I have an alliteration for the reason the definition of marriage matters so much to the Christian worldview and to biblically accurate and sound theology. And it's important that we know that Jen Hatmaker doesn't hold to the biblically sound theology on marriage and I'll explain why that matters to what her Instagram caption said and why it matters to uh, how we should approach uh, what someone like her says about God in the Bible. So the reason why the definition of marriage matters and it matters what Jen Hatmaker thinks about marriage as a professing Christian is because the definition of marriage as between a man and a woman is rooted in creation. It is reiterated in both the Old and the New Testaments. It reflects a relationship between Christ and the church and therefore reflects the gospel, which means consequently, if you get it wrong, the rest of your theology is very likely going to be off. So first one, Biblical marriage is rooted in creation. Genesis 2:18, uh, 14 through 18. Actually, I think that I got the reference wrong when I wrote it down. So I'll go back and correct myself on that. But it says, then the Lord God said, uh, oh, it's 18 through 24. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the 
out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. So that is Genesis 2, 18 through 25. Uh, does that sound... This is a rhetorical question, but I guess it's kind of not, depending on what your perspective is. Does that sound arbitrary to you? Does that sound from that passage of creation, does it sound like God unintentionally or arbitrarily put male and female together? Does it sound like male and female are interchangeable in this passage? Does it sound like the marriage relationship or the gender binary for that matter is up for debate, is subject to cultural change or human whims? No, uh, of course it doesn't. God made woman uh, in marriage specifically for man and vice versa. He created the relationship as between male and female specifically, purposefully, intentionally, and beautifully. A biblical marriage is reiterated throughout the Bible, not just in the Old Testament, in the laws for Israel, uh, but in the New Testament as well. Jesus reiterated the creation of marriage in Matthew 19, 4 through 6. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. So for those out there, the what I call the hipster Jesus Christians who say that Jesus never had anything to say about today's controversial social issues, I would venture to guess that they are not reading very closely. Again, the question we should ask those who say Christians should embrace gay marriage, uh, so they're not only saying that creation itself was arbitrary and basically meaningless, but also that Jesus's words about marriage are arbitrary and meaningless. And we should just ask if that's the view that they really hold, that Jesus's words don't really mean what they clearly mean when you read the text. Uh, but Ephesians 5 makes clear why the creation of marriage was not arbitrary, because bringing us to our third reason, biblical marriage reflects Christ and the church. So Ephesians 5, 22 through 24, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. And then Ephesians 5, 31 through 33, this gives uh, deeper meaning to the creation of marriage by saying this, uh, therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. 
This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. So the marriage relationship, according to this passage, according to the Bible, between one man and one woman is rooted in creation, is reiterated in both the Old and the New Testaments, and by Jesus himself, is reflective of the relationship between Christ and the church, and in that way is representative of the gospel. The gospel is Christ laying himself down, sacrificing himself for the church, for the body of believers. Ephesians 5 says that that is how husbands are to love their wives radically, uh, sacrificially, and wives are to honor their husbands, submit to their husbands in the same way that they submit uh, to the Lord. So marriage between a man and a woman is reflective of the gospel. And finally, ultimately, gloriously, we see that all of this ends, all of this ends with Jesus coming back for his church, which is depicted in Revelation 19 as a marriage, a wedding feast between what the Bible says is the bride, the church, and the bridegroom, Jesus. So the definition of marriage by God as between a man and a woman isn't arbitrary. It's not according to God, the one who made marriage up for grabs or up for debate. Uh, it is depicted throughout the entirety of the biblical narrative as a purposeful, intentional, symbolic pairing. Male and female are not interchangeable, therefore the definition of marriage is not malleable. Uh, which is why when a professing Christian gets this wrong, it is catastrophic for the rest of their theology. Uh, marriage is not a small part of the biblical narrative. It's not this throwaway aspect of God's eternal story of redemption. It is hugely meaningful. And when we try to uh, manipulate God's intentional design of gender and marriage, we are saying that we don't believe God and that we don't trust God and we think that we know better. So for a professing Christian to say that it's mean or it's bigoted or wrong to define marriage how God defines marriage is for that professing Christian to say that God is a bigot and they are more compassionate than God. But newsflash for every single one of us, no matter what, every single one of us, we are not more compassionate or more loving or more kind than God is. If our good, faithful, and all-knowing God says that something is one way, then far be it from us, fallible, short-sighted, finite, sinful people to say otherwise. If you are willing to discount what God says about something as significant as, as marriage, if you're willing to discount what he says about marriage, this hugely important thing according to the biblical text, what else are you willing to discount? What other parts of scripture and the redemption story are you willing to throw out because it's uncomfortable or it's culturally inconvenient? The answer is, as we, as we see time and time again with people who hold this view and profess to be Christians, the answer is a lot. You're willing to throw out a lot. Whenever we see someone compromise on the definition of marriage, we always, I will say, uh, always, as I have seen anyway, see some kind of compromise in other areas of theology as well. Because if you are going to redefine the very institution that both starts and ends the Bible, why shouldn't you pick and choose other parts too, according to what you think feels good? Uh, you will see them, the people who hold this view, who evolve in their views of marriage beyond what the Bible says marriage is, you will see them soon scoff at the idea of sin as a whole. They will downplay the importance of holiness and obedience. 
they will start labeling anyone who actually regards the biblical definition of marriage as fundamentalist, this big scary word that they use to try to demonize people who believe the Bible is inerrant. Uh, their philosophy will often be one of moral relativism. And eventually, uh, the content that they write or produce will no longer resemble theology, will no longer resemble the gospel, but will uh, resemble or will be what I call meology. So not theology, but meology. By redefining, discounting, or ignoring what the Bible says about male and female in marriage, along with everything else. This is not the only issue. This is not even necessarily the most important issue. Along with everything else that the Bible says, if we discount anything that the Bible says is true or not true, good or not good, we are saying that we know better than God, that we are better than God, and consequently placing ourselves on the throne of our lives, giving ourselves the power to determine what's good and what's not. That means that we are bowing down to the God of self, not the God of scripture. And that's not to say that genuine Christians don't ever get it wrong, because of course we do. I've gotten many things wrong. I will continue to be wrong on things. But at the end of the day, for you and for me, uh, for the Christian, we bend ourselves to the unbendable truth of Scripture, not the other way around. I am always willing to be wrong in the face of the truth of God's Word. Uh, when we bend Scripture to fit our opinion, we are effectively making ourselves God, and we are not good gods. All of that leads me to Jen Hatmaker's recent Instagram post, which doesn't have anything to do with biblical marriage, but does give us a solid background of uh, why her theology has gone so off rails and has led to this Instagram post that is that represents uh, so much of the terrible neology that we see pervasively among Christian women. But before I get to that, I want to tell you guys about a new sponsor, Objective Wellness. So Objective Wellness uh, provides supplements, awesome supplements to make sure that you are feeling your best. So Objective Wellness offers targeted solutions like better sleep, firmer skin, or a healthy immune system. They've got supplements for all of that stuff. It's backed by science. They source their own ingredients. Uh, there uh, are endless hours of research behind this stuff that they have dedicated to making sure that these supplements are good and effective and are going to uh, help you achieve your health goals, whatever they may be. There's not like a one size fits all solution for your wellness and Objective Wellness knows that. And so they try to uh, tailor your supplement program for you. So go to objectivewellness.com, use code Allie to get 20% off your first order. That is objectivewellness.com, use promo code Allie for 20% off. Okay. Jen Hatmaker's Instagram post. It is a quote from her book, Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire. And a lot of you guys sent it to me and you said, please, can you tell me, I know this is off, but can you tell me why this is off? So Fierce, Free, and Full of Fire is basically, I haven't read the book, but from the synopsis and what I can tell from the quotes that she has been posting, it sounds about the exact opposite of what I believe in my book, which comes out August 11th, by the way, the quote uh, on the Instagram post is this. Now there's a cuss word in it and I won't say it, but I'm just warning you. Women are the baddest of baddies, she says it. Uh, women are the baddest of baddies and there's nothing they cannot overcome and accomplish. 
Uh, the caption is long, so I will just read you portions of her caption without decontextualizing anything. Of course, you can go and read the caption for yourself so you don't think that I am trying to pull things out and make her mean something that she doesn't actually mean. Um, I sincerely believe, she says, we, women, are the answer to virtually everything that ails society. I trust our instincts and desires and gifts. We want things that are good and true and lovely, no matter what this world has always said about our desires. Trust yourself this week. She says, trust what you care about and what you want and need. Your body is taking good care of you. I believe in you right now, sisters. You are so good. Fierce comes out a week from tomorrow. I wrote it because I love you and I love us. You deserve this investment in your own beautiful D word life. And of course she says it. All right. So this is exactly why I wrote my book, You're Not Enough, which I kind of wish was coming out right now since it's a response to the kind of stuff that is apparently in Jen Hatmaker's book, but we'll just have to wait until August. Um, this is me-ology. This isn't theology because it has nothing to do with God at all. And just a reminder, the Jen Hatmaker bills herself as a Christian podcaster, author, and influencer, and she always has. If she were just a secular person, I wouldn't, I mean, I'd probably be talking about this, but I wouldn't fault her for not promoting sound theology, but she bills herself as a Christian author. So I think that this is fair game to weigh her words against the word of God. Uh, so this has nothing actually to do with the Bible at all. It has nothing to do with the word of God, which is why it's not theology. It is meology. This isn't godly. This is not Christ centered. This is not glorifying to the Lord in any way. This is meology. This is me. What I say is true and what I say feels good. This is the ology that she is putting out. This is an ode to the God of self. And quite frankly, it's not even remotely compelling. I would say a lot of her writing is compelling and interesting and charming. This, not so much. However, because a lot of you guys sent it to me, I want to address it. Women are the baddest of baddies, she says, and there is nothing we can't accomplish. So we'll start with that. Look, first of all, I agree that women are awesome. I love being a woman. I've always had really awesome and admirable uh, girl friends and people that I look up to. God thinks women are awesome in all of their uniqueness and beauty and ability to nurture and nourish and beautify and teach and have and raise children. God thinks that we are awesome. He made us fearfully and wonderfully. We just read in the creation account how specially and specifically God made us. So of course, God thinks that women are beautiful, made in his image. He made us with special gifts and capacities and abilities that men don't have and vice versa. He made men with capacities and abilities that we don't have. We are created to complement one another. I do think that women are capable of incredible things. God uses women throughout the Bible in wonderful and special ways. And that's, uh, an, amazing, that, that's an amazing thing. We should be thankful for all of that. However, are there things that we can't accomplish on our own? Yes. Are there things that we cannot overcome on our own? Yes, because we are fallible human beings. Uh, Jin's message is a message of self-empowerment. Uh, this is a different way to say the refrain that we have heard and have debunked on this podcast a million times. Uh, you are enough. 
In this quote, Jin is saying, women, you are enough, that you have all the power inside yourself to do whatever you put your mind to. But it's not true. You're not enough. You can't accomplish anything on your own. I don't know if you're the baddest of bad A. I have no idea. The fact is, if you were enough, if you were amazing and perfect just how you are and you could accomplish everything on your own, you wouldn't need Jesus. You wouldn't need his salvation, his sanctification, his strength. But the Bible says that we've all fallen short of the glory of God, that we all need Christ. The gospel is that is, is not that you are a, a bad A who can accomplish anything. The gospel is that you and I are bad, period. And we need Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. As Psalm 16, 2 says, I have no good apart from you. Therefore, it is not comforting or helpful at all to hear that we can accomplish anything. No, we can't actually. Ultimately and eternally, there's nothing that we can achieve on our own. We are completely helpless. Ephesians 2 says that without Christ, we are dead in our sin. But good news, because of Christ, we are made alive. We are saved by grace through faith and are empowered by the Holy Spirit to do good works. Ephesians 2.10. Uh, she says, I sincerely believe we women are the answer to virtually everything that ails society. What an amazing statement. She says, I trust our instincts and desires and gifts. We want things that are good and true and lovely, no matter what this world has always said about our desires. Really? Women are the answer to what ails society? Jen, girl, ha have you read? Have you read about the Garden of Eden? Like, can I introduce you to Eve? Do you remember that? Like women are not the answer to what ails society. Men aren't the answer to what ails society. Women and men are what ails society. Like who else is causing the problems besides men and women, sinful men and women? We are causing the problems. We are what ails society. Uh, Christ is the answer. Christ is the answer to literally all that ails society. That's what the Bible is about, that Christ is the antidote to our ailments, not women, not any human being. Now, if Jin, like I said, were not a professing Christian, I wouldn't expect her to know all of this. I wouldn't be spending my time on this at all, but she is. And she is sharing with her 472,000 Instagram followers and however many readers she has, something that is not just a little theologically off because we've all been there, we've all made mistakes, but something that is completely counter to the gospel and a message that she wrote an entire book on, a message that she has been consistently pushing for years now. She says, I trust our instincts and desires and gifts. We want things that are good and true and lovely, no matter what this world has always said about our desires. Trust yourself this week, she says. Trust what you care about and what you want and need. Your body is taking good care of you. Why? Why does Jin tell uh, all women to trust themselves? I don't trust myself unconditionally, and you shouldn't either. I do not always desire what is good and true and lovely, and you don't either. Sometimes I, because I'm a sinful person still being sanctified by Jesus, desire what is selfish, what is wrong. Sometimes I am envious. Sometimes I'm unjustifiably angry. Sometimes I'm lazy. Sometimes I'm prideful. Very often I want things that are not good or true or lovely, but whatever suits me. Uh, I don't trust your desires. You shouldn't trust your desires. You shouldn't trust all my desires. I don't trust Jen's desires. I don't trust anyone's desires all the time. 
Jeremiah 17, 9 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Romans 7, 8, for I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is in my flesh. You are not trustworthy. Your feelings, your desires, if not in submission to Christ, will lead you astray. And when I say you are not trustworthy, I'm talking about your heart. I'm talking about your feelings. I'm talking about all of your desires and motives. They cannot be unconditionally trusted. Jen says, trust yourself this week. Trust what you care about and what you want and need. Don't trust yourself. You aren't trustworthy to yourself. God is. Trust what you care about. I care in my sinful flesh. Here are the things I care about. I care about me, myself, and I. I care about Netflix. In my sinful nature, I mostly care about what I want to do. I care about food. I care about sleep. I care about scrolling through Instagram. I care about whatever I want to do right now. But that is not what God calls me to. That is not what God tells me to do. God calls me to be a wife and a mom and to do all the things that he has called me to. And that does include, of course, rest and leisure and doing things that make me happy. So that sometimes does include Netflix and eating good food and all of that. But if I were to trust myself and trust what I care about, I would be living a life completely consumed by narcissism and convenience. Trusting myself isn't enough. If I were to follow all of my feelings, I would never do anything that I don't want to do. But daily, continually, we are called by God to do the things we don't want to do for his glory. Some of them we do want to do, but a lot of the things we don't want to do. That's why Jesus calls us to deny ourselves, to take up our cross and to follow him. So the good message is not trust yourself. You're taking care of yourself. The better message is uh, do what God calls you to do. Love him, love others, seek to glorify him in all you do and trust that he will take care of you. Jesus, uh, Jesus says that he is taking care of you. Jen says that you are taking care of you. Uh, you've got a finite ability to calm your anxious mind and to ease your worried heart. You don't have what it takes to shepherd your soul, which underneath all the stress that you are feeling right now, it's what you really need. You don't need anything more than a shepherd of your soul who can exchange all of your anxiety for peace, your out of control emotions for steadfastness, and your desperation for hope and your lack of knowledge for wisdom. Jin Hatmaker is a peddler of neology. It is not biblical, it has no salvific components to it, it is not satisfying, and it will only make you emptier than before. This is a new age philosophy. This idea that underneath all of society's expectations and everything that culture tells you is something good and perfect and true, that you've got this inner goddess that if you just dig down deep and unleash it, you will find all of your heart's desires fulfilled. It's not true. What the Bible says is that when you look inside yourself, outside of Christ, you find rotting death. (laughs) You find nothing. You find darkness. You find hopelessness. But in Christ, you are made alive. You are given hope. You are given a new, soft, regenerated heart. Remember, as we have said so many times, The self can't be both the problem and the solution. So if inside yourself you find, which we all do, if you find insecurity, anxiety, fear, confusion, and chaos, the antidote to these things won't be found inside yourself. How could it? But outside yourself, Uh, in the God who made you 
who says, cast all your anxieties on me because I care for you. What a better message than you take care of you. Uh, in an effort to make you feel better about yourself, Jen and other people like her, so Glennon Doyle, Rachel Hollis, uh, Jen is actually weighing you down with a burden that you cannot bear. And that is the burden of being your own God. She says, trust yourself, take care of yourself, accomplish things for yourself, be the solution to all that ails society yourself. But you and I can't do these things. And if we try, we will be met with failure. These are burdens that you and I cannot bear and we were never meant to bear them. And there's good news. There's so much better news than this stupid Instagram caption. The good news is we don't have to be our own gods. God is our God. He alone is worthy of our trust. He alone is the caretaker of our hearts and souls. He alone can accomplish all things. He alone is the solution to all that ails society. And he says that his burdens are light and his yoke is easy. And he doesn't call us to self-empowerment. He calls us to self-denial, to, to doing not what we want to do at all times, but what he has called us to do, which is to love him, to obey him, and to love others. So that is why her Instagram caption is not biblical and it might feel good in the moment, but it's not good news. The gospel is good news and it is counter to what Jen Hatmaker is propagating. And pay attention. I won't call out any other names right now. Pay attention to who she's having on her podcast, to who is saying I'm associating with her and I'm her friend. And look, I'm not saying that we've all been perfect in all of our associations and things like that, but Yoking yourself with someone who is blatantly preaching a gospel that is not biblical while calling themselves a Christian, it's dangerous territory. It's dangerous territory. Share this with your friends who love her. Okay, I will be back here on Wednesday with some important news.